I'm Hannah Coles, and you are listening to Love at Home, episode number 16, Three Types of People. You are listening to Love at Home, a podcast for LDS parents and teens to get weekly inspiration, motivation, and tools that will help you to overcome life's challenges and learn how to become your very best selves. Here's your host, LDS life coach, Hannah Coles. Hello, everyone. Another exciting week here, basking in this glorious fall weather. This is this is my kind of weather. I love it. It's been really, there's been a lot of things happening here lately. Most exciting, I think, is, is working with my team. And we're, we're coming up with some really good stuff in the future that I'm just so excited to announce when it's ready and to bring to you. But in the meantime, I'm going to leave you in suspense. But I promise it's going to be it's going to be amazing. I want to dive right in today with a concept that I've noticed playing out with a lot of my clients with my friends and family, but most especially with myself. So once you're introduced to this concept, you're going to start seeing it pop up in your life too. Now, tidbit about me, I love TED Talks. I listen to and watch a lot of TED Talks. I think they're fascinating and I always take something away from each one. It just gives me a lot to think about. So the concept that I'm bringing you today is stems from a TED Talk, which I'll put in the show notes, but he had it specifically tailored to the work environment and about employees and how they interact in the company. It's all geared towards businesses and the corporate world. But when I listened to it, I just adapted it to our own lives and our daily lives and most especially our interactions with our friends and our family. So in this TED Talk, he introduces three types of people or roles, I should say, that we fall into. And these three types are the giver, the taker, and the matcher. I'm sure we've heard these terms before, and we're pretty good at establishing an image of the giver and the taker, right? The, the giver is just that. They give and they give and they serve selflessly. The Savior was a giver. Unconditional love abounds in this individual, and charity is the most concentrated and, and pure kind within this person. This is the person that always has a smile on their face. They're optimistic. They're generous, in, and they're kind in their opinions of others. They just embody the term giver. Do you know anyone like this in your life? I have several givers in my life. I always picture Mother Teresa. <laughs> and I do have several friends and family members that I would absolutely 100% place in this category that are just genuine and, and giving. Everyone wants givers in their life, right? Okay, so then on the opposite spectrum, there's the taker. The taker does what it says the taker takes the taker is all about what's in it for me if they can spin something to where they get something out of it you know then they'll come they'll participate then they'll play along because there's something in it for them this type of personality is going to talk about you to others if it means that they can move ahead on the social ladder you know they they tend to prey on your generosity without much if any appreciation and they don't hesitate to come back and see if you're offering more it takes a lot of your mental energy to be around these people sometimes i'm sure you already have a mental picture of some takers in your life and no doubt you've recalled memories where you've encountered such people i always say like toddlers fall into this category <laughs> They take and they take and you're drained. But we love, we love our, we love our little toddlers, our taker toddlers. 
We all know several problems associated with takers, so I'm, I'm not going to spend too much time talking about them. But I am going to focus a lot of my message today talking about the matcher. The matcher is harder to pinpoint. The matcher is, is both a giver and a taker. Most people really do fall in this category as matchers. Now, if you asked people, you're, you're not going to say that you're a taker or maybe, well, I don't know. Most people wouldn't say they're takers. Most people would like to think of themselves as givers. Giving sounds noble and grandiose and everyone wants to be a giver. Everyone wants a giver in their lives. They want to be around someone that's going to give them the benefit of the doubt on those days where you're just not where you'd like to be or to have someone you know you could call on for help and within moments they'd be there. But, but we're human, all of us, all human. And for the time being, while we're working on becoming a giver, let's just be really clear on meeting ourselves and others where we're at right now. And for a lot of us, we fall into the category of a matcher. I myself find myself matching. Now, like I said again, matchers are givers to a degree. They're kind, they're generous, they're charitable. They'll 100% sign up to bring a plate of goodies to that fireside. They'll do their ministering and reach out to others each month. They'll host get-togethers and plan outings. They'll, they'll reach out first and call friends and family. They're quick to think of others and want to be generous. And all is great and glorious until it isn't reciprocated. And then it's anything but glorious. It takes this turn to begrudgment and resentment. And yes, I am pretty sure I just made that word up, begrudgment. But it, it fits here. So we're going to roll with it. <laughs> so if you can't picture yourself here, I'm going to give you a few examples. Now think about a time when you were having a great day. You just feel great and light and happy. And because you're feeling this way, you're sharing, you're complimenting, you're smiling, you're giving. On these days, you're a giver. Everything is just, just good, you know? That is until a family member comes home cranky, until they start nitpicking at the little things and complaining. It doesn't have to be a family member. It could be a friend or a coworker or someone at church. Just someone comes up and, and they're kind of negative. And at first you're defensive, like, whoa, what's going on? And it makes it worse when they're defensive back, like, what do you mean what's going on? And then they rattle off more complaints. Now you're taking this, this shift because you're no longer in a very giving state. Now you're upset because they're upset and before you realize it, you've become a matcher. They're cranky and now I'm cranky and the whole world is cranky. And this particular instance is, is actually called mirroring emotions, which I'm going to talk more in depth on in another episode, but I'm certain we can all relate to this one. Okay, here's another example that I've heard countless times. In our church, and our communities, we serve a lot. We love to serve. It feels so good to serve. We're taught to serve. We try to emulate the Savior who spent his entire mortal ministry serving. So we serve. We do things we don't always want to do, like heading over to the church at 8 a.m. on a Saturday morning to clean bathrooms, or run home and make a meal for a family in need when your family gets to munch on cereal. It's all good. You're happy to do it. But then you become the family in need at some point in time, and you start to question, like, wait, where's Where's the meals for me? You're the only one showing up on that Saturday morning to clean and, and, and why when no one else bothers to come? 
Why should I keep giving if no one else is doing the same? So again, we shift to the matcher category. Okay, here's another one. Let's say you're really outgoing. You love to be around your friends and your family and you love organizing things. You love planning things to do, maybe times to hang out, to visit, to see one another. You're the first one to pick up the phone, to call, to chat for a while. For a while, you're the giver until you realize they're not reciprocating. It seems like they don't ever seem to call you. And you start to question, if you never called them, would they ever call you? Would you just never talk anymore? I have to admit, this this one was really hard for me. After my youngest son was born, I found myself struggling. I was and am still very independent. So I didn't feel like I needed a lot or, or wanted a lot from others, I should say. But after he was born, I started feeling like I needed help. I felt like I needed support. I needed to know someone would be there for me aside from my sweet husband. And yes, if you listened to my last episode all about needing versus wanting, I was for sure in a needy space and it wasn't a good place. For years, I was always the outgoing one, so I'd organize things, I'd plan fun get-togethers, I'd plan fun kid activities. I was the one to pick up the phone and chat and to see how others were doing. I was the first one to send a text. But then, when my youngest son was was born, I experienced this, this temporary shift. I still wanted to do those things. I still, my nature was still to pick up the phone and to call and to reach out and to get together. But during that time, I shifted into a matcher and I didn't even realize what I was doing. I'd start to pick up the phone to to call my people, to, to go out, to, just to chat because I felt like I needed to chat with someone. But then I'd stop myself and think, wait, why why aren't they calling me? Don't they want to talk to me? Shouldn't Shouldn't they care about me? Aren't they curious how I'm doing, how my baby's doing, how I'm surviving now with four kids and my heavy load? I had this attitude, and I don't mean this in an immature way, but this was was kind of the general attitude of, well, they're not calling me, so I'm not going to call them. And I would set the phone down, and I would walk away. I became a matcher. If they're not calling me, I'm not calling them. If they don't want to see me, then I guess I'm not going to see them either. Our minds do this. Not consciously, but, but out of protection for us. Our, our brains, you know, they, they're working to, to help us, to protect us. It doesn't want us to suffer or, or for us to feel pain. So we put up these walls as defensive coping mechanisms. And it really wasn't born out of a selfish or immature nature like it sounds. I didn't really think, well, they're not calling me, so I'm not going to call them. Even though those are my actions... What I've come to discover is it's more accurate to say that I grew tired of loving. Mother Teresa says, What we need is to love without getting tired. Be faithful in small things because it is in them that your strength lies. Now, I think we do this. I think that we do get tired of loving. We get tired of expending so much energy, time, thoughts, and love with this idea that It should be reciprocated for it to qualify or to keep us going. I heard a sister once share how hurt she was that for years and years, she was always the first one to volunteer, to take over a meal to a family in need, and she didn't ever once do it for praise or any accolades. But when she found herself struggling and and could use a little help herself, like no one was jumping up to help her. 
and she inadvertently gave her mind a directive, something to focus on, something to look for, and that's exactly what her mind offered her. It went scouring through her mental data files and found the countless times she served others without even a thank you or all the times that she went above and beyond and what she was willing to do for others, but now that she needed a little help, like, where was everyone? She could easily think she was a giver, and she was, but now... In, in, that, in this current moment, looking back and wondering, where's my meal? Where's the love for me? She was making that shift. She was pivoting into the matcher role. She didn't initially serve her a reward, but when the time comes that you find yourself in that role where now you could use a little help and you're not getting it, so you're disappointed, and we don't quite know how to process our disappointment, so instead, you become a matcher. In this last general conference, Sister Christina B. Franco, in her talk, The Joy of Unselfish Service, shared this sweet experience about her primary teacher who would always bring chocolate cake. Do you remember this one? I think when she was talking about it, chocolate was sounding so good at that moment and better and better as she continued to talk about it. So the primary teacher would would bring chocolate cake every week. And as a young child, she thought that she didn't like chocolate cake. And so she would complain and she probably made faces, you know, as as kids do. They're very over-exaggerated with their expressions. You know exactly what they're, what they're feeling. <laughs> and so I'm sure how different would her experience be if her primary teacher was a matcher, if she became a matcher, if once she heard this young child complained that she didn't like chocolate cake and couldn't she ever bring anything new that she just decided altogether to stop bringing it. If she thought, well, they're not appreciating it anyway, why am I sacrificing my time, my little means, my energy to bring them this cake that they can't even smile about and pretend to be grateful about? That's it. I'm just not going to do it anymore. She would then become a matcher, matching in love, matching in effort, matching in thoughts, but thankfully she didn't. Thankfully, she persisted and kept sacrificing her time, her money, her energy, and not because of what others would do or say, but because that was her unique light. That was what she could do to share that light with others because she was a giver. One of my favorite quotes, and I have a lot of them, is from Neil A. Maxwell when he said, no love is ever wasted. Its value does not lie in reciprocity. That primary teacher was able to give and serve and sacrifice because it felt good to her and it didn't matter if the kids liked it or not, if she got a thank you or not. She still got to bask in the efforts of her labors and feel kind and generous even during those times when it wasn't valued, even on those days when it would have been really nice if someone brought chocolate cake to her house. She wasn't thinking of any of those things. She didn't become the matcher, and I'm so grateful that she didn't because now years and years and years later, we get to experience and benefit from her experience in conference. The biggest problem with being a matcher is that you're stifling your inner light. You're showing up sometimes superficial and different because the thought of being you, of doing what you do, of giving what you give could be potentially dangerous and painful if they don't accept it, if they don't value it, if they don't match it. You show up differently and usually at the caliber of the company that you're, you're associated with, that you're trying to, to match. 
My kids sometimes forget that their siblings are all different ages and in different stages, especially when it comes to chores. They sometimes complain that so-and-so isn't doing their work, so why do they have to do theirs? And then I always kindly remind them that so-and-so is a great deal younger than you, (laughs) and they get a little more leniency while they're learning. And that phrase, it's not fair, always falls into this category. Fair would mean that both sides reciprocate, right? I do something for you because I'm nice, and so you can feel good, and now you're supposed to do something for me so that I can feel good. But life isn't fair. It isn't about matching. In fact, it's wildly unfair if you really think about all the different people on the earth and their living conditions and their circumstances. It's not supposed to be fair. Also, when we start matching, it's because we've given some of our emotional responsibility over to another person. It's a really unhealthy cycle of thinking, I'm doing this for you so that you can feel good and now you need to do something in return for me so that I can feel good and I'll fill your bucket and you fill mine. But the problem is we don't make each other feel good. We can't. We serve and love because that's who we are. We feel good because we have loving thoughts. Our thoughts motivate us to serve in the first place. We can love and reach out and serve because it's our nature, who we are, and because we did that thought that we get to feel loving, generous, and kind. It doesn't matter if they never respond or reciprocate. And this does go back to last week with needing versus wanting. We can want them to reciprocate, to thank us, to notice, but when we need them to reciprocate so that we can feel good, There's a problem because we are relying on them to do something and they may never do it. Another problem is that by matching, you're not pushing yourself to grow and you're not exemplifying that growth to others. Think of this this scenario like a fifth grader hanging out in a second grade classroom all day. They might be frustrated by all the work they have to do while the second graders do minimal work and get to do way more art projects. After a time, the fifth grader might be tempted to slack off and not push themselves to grow because why would they? Everyone else is doing menial work. Our focus is off when we're in matching mode. Our focus is outward on others and not inward on the one thing you can control and that has a direct effect on what you create in your life and how you feel. Byron Katie calls this staying in your own business. There are three businesses she teaches, your business, God's business, and other people's business. Other people are circumstances, and we have no control over what they do. In fact, what they do is none of our business. It's their business. Now, God's business is everything else. Also, he's plainly told us that we couldn't possibly understand everything that he sees, knows, or why he does what he does in the scripture from Isaiah that says, For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. As vast and lengthy as the sky, the heavens are from the earth, that's how much of a difference there currently is in his perspective and reasons and our limited mortal earthly perspective. So, We need to just stay out of his business, stay out of other people's business, and the only business left is your business. Stay in your business. Stay in what you can control, what you choose to think about, and what you choose to do. 
Here's another way the matcher shows itself. When we think the thought, why aren't they doing that for me? I would do that for them. We feel hurt, disappointed, and even resentful. I read a quote on Pinterest ages ago that said something to the extent of, sometimes we expect more from others because we would be willing to do that much for them. Notice we would be willing, not as the giver would say, I am willing. We change what we think of them and what we ultimately end up doing for them because they're not reciprocating. So it hurts to think they're not willing to do what you do for them, not because they're not doing it, but because of what you make it your service, your contribution mean in the first place. When you walk through a store or see something online that reminds you of someone that you love, you might buy it all while thinking loving thoughts about them. So you give it to them in the spirit of giving, of generosity and love. You're not just giving a gift. You're giving it to them with your thoughts and your feelings that you have for them as well. They don't, they don't see that, but this is how we perceive. Like when I give you this, I'm also thinking all the thoughts and the feelings that I had. And so when they don't reciprocate, it's not that they're, they're not buying something from you or they didn't appreciate what you gave them in the first place. It's, it's painful because you believe they don't feel the same for you. Because if they did, they'd certainly react or act the way you think they should, right? They really have nothing to do with how you're feeling. We have to really be clean and separate that. It's your thoughts about them that gets you into trouble. It's your thoughts that they don't care that creates the pain for you. It's not the missed phone call. It's your thoughts that your family should want to call you, your friends should want to call you to think of you because you are thinking of them. That's what creates the tension inside yourself. It's your thoughts that things aren't the way that they should be that creates a feeling of, of negativity, of resentment, and that turns or shifts your role of giving into the matcher. But other people really have nothing to do with it, isn't isn't that good news? Like, right? You don't have to wait any longer to decide who you want to be and start becoming. Anne Frank, I love that girl. She said, how wonderful is it that nobody need wait a single moment before starting to improve the world? You can improve your world right now if you wanted to. It all starts in your thoughts. In that moment of decision, whether you'll take the giver, the taker, or the matcher role. You get to decide out of the three, which one would you suspect feels the best? The giver, right? Taking might feel momentarily pleasant. It's like getting fast food. I'm taking a meal and it's good, but it's fleeting. But I remember the meals that I've worked hard on that tasted so good and largely because of the effort that I expended into making it to creating it for the sole purpose of, of giving, giving to my family, making it for other people. When I'm the giver, I feel generous, I feel kind, I feel charitable, which we know is the pure love of God because love feels the best. Giving feels amazing. Frances Burnett, the author of A Little Princess, which I love, wrote, if nature has made you a giver, your hands are born open and so is your heart. And though there may be times when your hands are empty, your heart is always full and you can give things out of that, warm things, kind things, sweet things, help and comfort. Isn't that beautiful? For the taker, there is never enough. They're never satisfied. 
They're trying to fill a void that can't be filled by taking from others because the void is inside where only they can fill it. The matcher isn't stable. They're always dabbling in other people's business. They're too busy looking at what others are doing or aren't doing that they feel insecure not knowing what's in store for them, whether their love will be reciprocated or not, whether their family will conform to how they want them to conform, whether they get invited to something or not. They're focused outward as well. They filled half of their emotional bucket and now they're waiting for others to follow suit and match them by filling the rest with their service, acts, and love. But to live not knowing whether those needs will be met or not isn't a very secure or comforting place. Now the giver, on the other hand, is at peace. The giver notices all that's around them and uses their agency to choose to focus on what feels best. Love feels best. They choose to focus their thoughts on optimism and not in like delusion that everything is awesome. They're real. They know that life has ups and downs. They feel happy and sad and all the in-between. But they choose to always seek out love. They offer love to others and most importantly to themselves. They don't beat themselves up over perceived failures But loving encourages themselves to make a plan and try again tomorrow. They feel loving because they know that their gifts and offering of love isn't contingent upon the receiver's reactions. They get to feel kind and loving and generous even if the other person doesn't accept it. The actions of others don't make us feel anything. Our thoughts create our feelings. Just own where you're at and it's okay. Own that you're human and as such, we're going to show up as all three throughout our lives and know that others are too. But which one are you going to work towards? Which one will help you show up as your best self? Which one will feel the best for you? You can improve the world. Start with your world. Be an example of a giver. Do more for others Not because you expect a payoff in return, but because the payoff is here now. When you serve, when you give, when you love, you get to feel all those positive feelings now. Don't ever tire of loving, like Mother Teresa says. Love is in itself energizing. Love without even a hint of expectation. And notice when you do have some disappointment creep in. Question if you're needing them to reciprocate so you can feel better, so you can continue to love and serve, or rather if you can just want them to reciprocate. But no matter what, you're okay. You've got your own back. It's okay to be a giver and still feel disappointment. There isn't anything wrong with loving and feeling disappointment at the same time. It is possible to love and feel disappointment too, but no matter what their actions are, It's not going to slow you down or get you tired of loving. Now remember, disappointment stems from our expectations and our manual. (laughs) So it's a choice whether you want to keep that part of your manual or, or if you want to let it go. Just watch yourself this week. Observe your thoughts and not to shame them and think I shouldn't think that way, but just to notice where you're at and which of the three you're currently operating from. And then deliberately decide which of the three you really want to operate from and go from there. So as always, I would love to help you out with this concept or anything else that is causing you stress and pain. I'm currently offering a free mini session. And if you want that, if you want to just chat with me and and let me help you out in this area or any other area, just head over to my website, 
www.thecatalystcoaching, don't forget the ing, thecatalystcoaching.com and click on the work with me tab or the free mini session and find a time that works for you. See for yourself. Okay, I hope you have a fantastic week, my friends. I'll talk to you next time. Thanks for listening to Love at Home, the podcast. Check out the show notes for this episode at www.thecatalystcoaching.com. If you loved the show, make sure to head over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Until next time.